1: The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me for this episode of Gators Breakdown is founder of ReadReaction.com, and you can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC, and that is Will Miles, of course, and uh, Will... With these previews, it's kind of been a we, – we had the Jim McElwain Bowl for the uh, Colorado State game, even though he's not going to be there. And we had the Dan Mullen Bowl for uh, Florida and Mississippi State. And if people have been listening to Gators Breakdown for a while and they go back to the spring, they'll know why I'm calling this one the Joe Burrow Bowl.
0: Oh man, well, well, I am. I have a serious football man crush on Joe Burrow. Um, he is. Uh, I've I've watched his tape. I've looked at his stats. I'm very, very impressed, and and impressed enough that I'm uh, I'm picking LSU to do pretty well this year. So. Uh, and obviously, you know, a couple a couple of weeks ago, we talked about sort of our favorite rivalries, and to me, LSU is the one that's my favorite, um, because of some of the venom that's come out over the past few years because of the hurricane and and some other things. And uh, and and so, you know, this is always a fun one. It's sort of this is the turning point of the season. This is the one where Florida wins this game, even if they've struggled a little bit coming in. If they win this game, the year usually turns out pretty well. Um, if they lose this on some ridiculous fake punt or something, then uh, you know, then then not so much. So. Um, this is always the one I point to in terms of knowing, you know, this is where Florida goes from either being good to great or OK to good um, or the other direction as well. And so LSU is always an important one for me.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, my dad doesn't go to many games, but uh, we bought tickets to this game. So it's going to be a big game. And we also, you know, Florida has announced it's going to be the 2008 uh, 2008- team uh, the national championship team there uh, it's going to be the kind of anniversary game for them to get to come back to the swamp uh, Tim Tebow will be inducted into the ring of honor it will be a big game in Gainesville with L- it always is when LSU comes to town but you know Florida's rallying around this game to, for that 2008 national championship reunion Tebow's ring of honor I'm telling you you know and last year Florida had homecoming <laughs> for the LSU game uh, <laughs> so you know, th- as you're right Will it, it this is this is a rivalry now a full bore rivalry, a lot of because of the hurricane stuff. Uh, but, you know, Florida's is really making an event out of this game.
0: Yeah. I don't care if they say it was incidental. They did the homecoming stuff on purpose last year <laughs> as well. They should have based on all the stuff that went on before then. And, and uh, you know, with having to double up the games and that's actually one of the, one of the fun storylines this year is this is the second year in a row that, that LSU's come to the swamp. And it's really interesting in that, you know, Florida is, is has has the Tebow celebration for this game so obviously there will be quite a bit of emotion for that they've got they're coming off of the Mississippi State game which is on the road and there's going to be a lot of emotion associated with that as well as Mississippi State's defensive line probably beating up Florida a little <laughs> bit up front um, you know whether they win or lose that game I think they're going to be sore coming off of it um, and so you know it'll be interesting to see how they come out with uh with LSU. I mean, you know, you look at like NBA teams, when they get their rings, that opening night is usually one of those times where they, where they struggle to get going. Um, Hopefully that's not what happens when they do the, uh, you know, when they do the honor for Tebow.
1: And you talked about Florida coming off of a game against Mississippi state. Oh, uh, LSU will be coming off a game against Ole Miss. So, uh, you know, pretty, that's you know, both teams playing the teams from Mississippi uh, coming into this game.
0: Yeah, well, and they will have they will have played Auburn a couple of weeks before, but certainly Louisiana Tech in between. Um, I think if you were going to say whose schedule is going to have more of an impact coming into the game, though, I think you'd say Florida's would have more of a negative impact than LSU's. Mississippi has a decent offense. I don't think they're going to be a fantastic team this year. Um, you know, and and again, I think it's more of the emotional ups and downs that I'd be concerned with. Um, coming off of that Mississippi State game because, you know, road game at Tennessee, a road game at Mississippi State, whether you've been successful or not, there's quite a bit of energy you've had to had to expend from an emotional standpoint. It'll be interesting to see whether they have gas in the tank still um, coming into this game. And also, we've talked a little bit about the, the redshirt rule. And, mm-hmm. and the four redshirt games, um, you know, I wonder whether there's some strategy associated with that as well, with some of the emotion and some of the, uh, you know, and some of that sort of stuff, getting new blood in some of these games, at least, uh, you know, when you're at home, um, you know, I don't know. I, I Again, I haven't decided how I think people, how coaches should use that rule, but it is one thing I think to sort of inject new life into a team halfway through the year it might be something that you'd see right around this time.
1: Yeah, good point there. Good point we'll dive into the uh, LSU Tigers. Uh, but remember, you can find all your Gators Breakdown episodes on newsforjacks.com 4 slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes, all the past uh, opponent previews we've done up to this point, uh, the last one being Mississippi State. You can find that on newsforjacks.com 4 slash Gators Breakdown. And also, you can listen on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube if you want the video version there. Using those services, please share, rate, and review the show. And also, follow us on social media at Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook. So, as we mentioned, Gators return home after road games at Tennessee, Mississippi State, uh, to host LSU for a second straight season. Well, it is going to be an interesting point, as you mentioned, going back where Florida is at um, with this. You know, more than likely, I think people will probably have Florida 4-1 and coming off of a loss to Mississippi State. But, by chance, Florida's 5-0, this game gets even bigger and for you who thinks you know lsu will be a pretty good team this year if florida's five and oh going to this game and lsu is as good as you think they're going to be this could be top 15 top 10 matchup
0: yeah i mean you know florida's gone on the road and beaten two pretty good teams at this point um they're certainly going to be ranked in that in that space and i think people are really going to be singing mullins praises and then you know LSU at this point if if they're playing as well as I think they will they will have already beaten Auburn. And so, you know, there'll be um you know, there'll be some hype on that side as well, especially if Burrow's playing well and, and I expect him to. So, um yeah, it's going to be really I mean, hey, we can only hope. If it's if it's a matchup of 5 and 0 teams, everything's going right for Florida whether they win this game or not.
1: Right, and as we said, you more than likely most people have them 4 and 0. This is a, a chance to rebound uh, maybe against an LSU team that is a rival. We mentioned everything that's going to be going on around this game. Uh, after this game, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, five and one, uh, maybe, or four and two, uh, depending how the season goes out. You know, that, that's where most people have Florida pegged right now. Uh, you know, so we'll see. You know, LSU enters this, uh, enters this you know season. Quarterback controversy. Uh, bringing Burrow in because it didn't have a really, uh, has been an answered there. They have a, a lot of question marks on offense. You know, no big time running back like Leonard Fournette or, or Darius Geis. They bring a lot of offensive linemen back. but They also, you know, lose some big weapons at receiver as well. So, you, 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 Russell Gage and, and, and uh, DJ Chark there, who were who definitely the top two receivers. So, minus offensive line, they have a lot of question marks uh, at the skill position.
0: Very much so. And, you know, I mean, they are bringing in Terrace Marshall, who's a five-star wide receiver, who probably is going to start. Derek Dillon last year played pretty well. But, but you know, it, it is not something where you look at it and say, oh, they're chock full and Burrow's coming in and he's the last piece. I mean, you, you really have to believe in Burrow. And, I mean, I do. But you really got to believe in Burrow to believe that that offense is going to be elite. But they are bringing back a lot of guys on the offensive line. Danny Etling, who wasn't all that great, um, over the last couple of years was actually really good last year. Um, he wasn't good two years ago and he wasn't real good at Purdue, but certainly he played well last year. And I think a lot of that had to do with the offensive line play. And then, you know, I do wonder with Fournette and Geis, those guys are very, very good players, but there was a, there was a distinct focus to get those guys the ball. And I, you know, even in the game, um, you know, even in some of the Florida games where it seemed like LSU could put the game away, mm-hmm. they were trying to get the ball to Fournette or get the ball to Geis rather than get the ball to the right guy. And that actually is one of the things that I really like when I look at Burroughs' tape is that he always seems to hit the receiver who's open. So he's not looking for one guy specifically to target him. He's just, Hey, where does the defense tell me I need to throw this ball? And then he throws the ball in that direction. The guy's usually open because the defense has to give something up. And if he can do that, it's not really going to matter. I mean, LSU has athletes at those positions. It's just, they're not very proven. And the question is, is, you know, but you throw to an athlete in wide open space and you're going to see some success. So, um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, it's very unproven. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, they're going to have two guys go over a 1,000 yards or anything like that. But if you believe in Burrow, then you think he's going to find guys who are open, and LSU certainly has talent at those positions.
1: Yeah, and new offensive – well, like new again, but offensive coordinator Stephen uh there. And while I think Burrow can be a good quarterback, and you know, everything you brought to the table when Farr was looking at him, uh, I backed up as well. Uh, but, you know, look – this is a, a lack of a running game we're not used to seeing from LSU. And, and having Ensminger at OC still makes me wonder how much they can improve on offense. But when, back at SEC media days, I was uh, I was there in the room with, uh, and his name escapes me, but LSU tied in who was there. And he was talking about Ensminger and saying, look, he never got a chance to really instill his offense. He was always taking over uh, for somebody during the season. So this is the first off season where he gets to install his offense. So we get to see, even though they got this probably three ray quarterback battle going in of an meager offense that we maybe haven't got to see in the last couple of years.
0: Well, and it is interesting that LSU went nine and four last year, considering that their head coach and their offensive coordinator clearly <laughs> couldn't stand each other. <laughs> um, and they were still able to pull it together and, and go nine and four. And
1: after losing uh, to Troy,
0: well, after losing to Troy, and, and then, uh, you know, they got blitzed by Mississippi State as well. And mm-hmm. and and so, you know, and then you lose to Alabama. Well, there's no shame in that. And then I guess did they lose to Auburn. Is that the fourth loss on that schedule? So, you know, it's mm-hmm. not as if, other than the Troy game, they weren't really losing to anybody that they shouldn't have. And and even after the Troy game, they were able to turn around and come into Gainesville and win the game. Now, certainly Florida didn't play great, but still, to come into the Swamp and win a game after you've lost to Troy is, is a pretty impressive thing. Um, you know, I, I think at this point, you got to, as weird as it sounds, and I understand all the Farmer Fran, Fran references and that sort of stuff. I think if we start looking at the recent record of Ed Orgeron, it's a little bit impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. Ole Miss in 05, 06, and 07 certainly was not very good. He gets fired, though, and Houston Nutt takes over, and the team starts playing much better with his recruits. 2013, he takes over at USC and goes 6-2, and two, but gets passed over for that job. And 2016 for LSU, he takes over for Les Miles, goes 6-2, and two, and then last year goes 9-4. and four. I mean, if you didn't have the Ole Miss section, and if he didn't, And if he spoke a little bit clearer, (laughs) would we talk about Orgeron being a pretty good head coach? I think we might. I mean, again, it's a personality thing. He does not look like somebody who'd be fantastic at selling a program, but certainly he's a pretty good recruiter. I mean, LSU over the last four years has averaged a seven and a half recruiting ranking nationally. Um, they're always bringing in five stars. They've averaged one and a half five stars over that four-year period, which you know means that they've got six five-star guys on their on their roster right now. Um, you know, and I think that makes a difference as well. So, you know, Orgeron's got some good players. The question is, is he going to cost them some games with his coaching? Um, you know, there are some things that he does that are questionable, but there are some things that Saban does that are questionable. I am not comparing the two, but, um, you know, I think when you look at the recent record, he's had success, you know, he's 15 and six at LSU. He's six and two at, uh, at USC. Certainly the black mark is old Miss, but I mean, it's, it's old Miss. And the only people who seem to have had success at Old Miss are people who cheated. So, um, yeah, I I don't think Orgeron is the handicap that people think that he is. Um, but we shall see because he's got his hand-picked offensive coordinator this year. And, uh, and you know, he shouldn't be fighting with him. If he is, then, then maybe it's that Orgeron <laughs> can't get along with anybody. And certainly the idea that they don't – I mean, they've got a pretty pretty experienced offensive line. Um Garrett Brumfeld, the left guard is the only senior, but then they've got Cushenberry, Ingram, uh, Treor and Charles, you know, all, all they've, they played quite a bit last year. And so, um, you know, four, four stars and a three star there on the offensive line, very talented. Um, so those guys coming back, I think it's going to be a, a, a big help for the offensive coordinator as well as Burrow as he gets acclimated.
1: Yeah. And talking uh quarterback there it's probably going to be burrow if not him miles brennan uh but i don't think they brought burrow in to be sitting on the bench so it would take a lot for him not to be quarterback i don't think and look at the targets that he's going to have they're bringing in uh it's probably an instant impact as you can get as a texas tech transfer jonathan giles there um you know and try and take over for dj Chark, who uh was drafted highly by the jaguars here in jacksonville uh the five-star recruit Terrace Marshall, uh, six foot four guy, and Jamar Chase, who Gator fans know very well, because they were really in for his recruiting as well. Uh, probably can step in, but since there, there's an opportunity to step in now, uh, there. So you know, while they're not proven, there is a lot of talent at the wide receiver position. Because look, it's LSU. I mean, they're they're going to have wide receivers, and the 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 worry and, and the, the problem there has been of finding a quarterback uh, that will be able to to, to get them um, the ball there, but still. I do ask, and you mentioned it. Maybe they focused too much on Fournette and Geist, but a lot of that was because they had no quarterbacks. But, you know, they they don't have a lot uh, where they're bringing back uh, a running back who has done much either. Senior Nick Brissett, the top returning tailback, and he only rushed for 96 yards last year.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to plug someone in there. Maybe that's a weakness and not being able to run the ball. Um, you know, like you said, there are a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the ball, but there are a lot of question marks for most teams. Um, you know, this time of year, where you just got to say, "Hey, we're gonna have to trust our recruiting to fill those gaps." And I think I think they've recruited pretty well and are going to be able to do that. Um, you know, obviously there are some guys, Chark in particular, that they're going to miss, but you know, they were also protecting guys like Etling. Over the last couple of years, um, and really over the last probably seven or eight years, um, you know, the last time I can remember LSU having a quarterback that was that was a star was Jamarcus Russell, and even then I didn't really feel like he the was one a huge threat. It. Yeah, one year with Mettenberger. <laughs> yeah, maybe.
1: I mean, again, I, so where, where, where I guess the quarterback wasn't a liability.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, so. At this point, I'm expecting them to be able to turn Burrow loose. Now, maybe that's me being overly optimistic, just because I'm biased. But, <laughs> but I mean, you know, you again, you look at it, and 72 percent of his passes he completed his senior year in high school. 71 percent his junior year. He threw 157 touchdowns to 17 interceptions over his four, over his sophomore, junior, and senior year in in high school. The guy has a profile of. Of an elite recruit, and I think the only thing that prevented him from being a a high level four or a or a low five star candidate is because he doesn't probably have NFL arm strength. Um, but again, if you're throwing to people who are open, you don't need NFL arm mm-hmm. strength. And so we'll see whether I'm right. I mean, you know, I have been saying over and over and over again that I think accuracy can't be taught. That I think accuracy reflects somebody who makes the right reads and throws to open guys. And you know, if Burrow falls on his face, then people can come back and tell me I'm an idiot. But I, I am I am all in on this one. I've seen the tape. I've seen the stats. I think he's going to be a good player. And I think if LSU has a quarterback who's not a liability, they're going to be a very good team.
1: Yeah, I think this where this may be a change of pace for Florida. Much like you were saying, they were protecting the quarterback, with Minger, and a quarterback that he may can trust. This may be a different looking LSU team. I think maybe going back to that year where Mettenberger, where they actually let 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 the ball go, where they let the quarterback, where they trust the quarterback, where we see more passing than what we have seen from from past LSU teams. So probably just a different look because you're going to get this new look Dan Mullen offense at Florida, but now uh, and and an offense at LSU where they really may be relying on the quarterback a lot and, and these young receivers who who have the talent but just really need the experience. So this could be looking uh, like a. Uh, a much different game than the ugly game we had last year in the swamp or two years ago when Florida had a goal line stand. And those are some uh, ugly games there. If Mullen can get the offense rolling much like he did against the LSU defense last year, and this LSU offense is open up more with Burrow at quarterback, this game could look a whole lot different than the, the last couple of times we've seen Florida and LSU matchup.
0: Oh, certainly. I mean, you know, the funny part is, is that I didn't think Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham were really all that great when they were at LSU. <laughs> yeah. And those guys are lighting up the NFL. So I, I think the, the profile of the, of the high caliber wide receiver, um, who comes into LSU, if there's a capable quarterback, I think those guys are going to get open and they're going to be successful. Um, you know, like you said, I think there's concern at running back. There's probably a little bit of tight end, a little bit of concern at tight end. Though they've got Foster Moreau,
1: the senior there, who's who's starting. But uh, well, that's who that's who it was talking about in at ACC Media Day. That's who it was. Uh,
0: and then you know you've got again you've got a relatively experienced offensive line, and so um, I think LSU's going to be able to put up points, which is something that they haven't been able to do on a consistent basis over, over the last few years and really has been a struggle. I mean, you know, the ugly game you mentioned against Florida, there have been a few other ugly ones as well. Um, and if they're able to put up points, then, then it's going to come down to defense. And LSU's usually got a pretty good one.
1: Definitely. Uh, and Dave Aranda is the guy there. Pretty good job. You know, last year, um, still wasn't that, um, What you think of when you think of an LSU defense and especially the the front seven, but you know, can't complain too much about 316 yards a game and and 19 points uh, per game. But loses they they lose Christian Lacantor, Greg Gilmore off the front, uh, Dante Jackson, Kevin Tolliver from that secondary, Arden Key, and Donnie Alexander from the linebacker core. They lose uh, a a good bit of of name recognition uh, on that defense, but. With Aranda there, those guys are, are are never much in trouble, and you know they got Greedy Williams uh, leading the way in that secondary.
0: Yeah. You know, this is one of those things where it's reloading, not necessarily rebuilding. So if you look at the, if you look at the front seven, they're 20, the starters for the front seven have a 24, seven ranking of 96.5. So they they got some talent on that front seven and the defense, the, you know, they run a three, four, um, the defensive lines, 96.4. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, the linebackers, and the defensive line are very, very, very talented. And if you look at top defenses in both the SEC and in the country, those are the most critical spots to fill um, when you're talking about recruiting. You can get by with three stars in the offensive line. You can even get by with three stars at quarterback. The place where you can't get by with three stars the, is on the defensive line. The other thing is they did lose a lot of name recognition, but LSU has always been known for rotating in guys. So these guys have gotten plenty of playing time. So if you look at Glenn Logan, 17 tackles last year, one tackle for loss. Um, Rashard Lawrence, 32 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss. Clavon Chason, 27 tackles, four and a half for loss. Devin White, their leading tackler, comes back, 133 tackles, 13 and a half tackles for loss. So a lot of those guys in the defensive line have very, very high talent pedigrees, but haven't necessarily played – Um, you know, a majority of the snaps, but now they're sort of sliding into that starting role. And LSU's done for that. They got a lot of guys who rotate in, a lot of high talent guys who rotate in. And really, this is sort of the next wave.
1: Yeah. And you go to the secondary where they're never really bad either. You know, well, we've seen it for years on social media. Who's DBU? Is that Florida or LSU? And uh, for them, as I mentioned, Greedy Williams, who's Probably will be a top pick uh, in the draft coming up, but uh, they were, you know, the ninth most efficient uh, in stopping the pass last year. Uh, Greedy Williams last year, six picks. Uh, he's back uh, along with John Battle, who's just kind of you know sticks his nose in there as a safety uh, with 61 tackles last year. So got some sa- got got some depth around there too. The fourth leading tackler, uh, Grant Delpit, is also in the safety as well. So. It's just another time, much like Florida, where you know it's plug and play back there in that secondary.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that Aranda's third and fourth leading tacklers are the strong safety and the free safety. Um, you know, so clearly he uses those guys as enforcers in some capacity. Um, you know, they were tw- they were they were twenty fourth in pass yards per play, twenty sixth in yards per play overall from a defensive perspective. So very very good, not elite, but but good. And so again, if you think LSU can take a step forward, I think they're probably going to have to be better than that. Um, but the talent profile at least indicates they might be able to, even if the name recognition doesn't, um, you know, the, the secondary is very good last year and and certainly compared to what Florida was last year. I think LSU, um, you know, it, At the time they played, the teams were very, very close. By the time you got to the end of the year and the depth really started to show with the suspensions and with some of the recruiting issues that Florida had under McIlwain, I think by the time you got to Georgia, Missouri, um, South Carolina, those games for Florida, the depth was starting to show. And so we sort of saw the chinks in the armor, whereas uh, with LSU, that wasn't necessarily the case.
1: Now, where Florida probably can take advantage of, and where they probably need to take advantage of, look Mississippi State Dan Mullen thirty-seven to seven win last year against LSU, two hundred and eighty-five yards rushing. Fast forward to the Florida game, Florida had hundred and ninety-four yards rushing and they had over five yards to carry. So, taking what last happened last year with Mississippi State running up and down on LSU and then hitting big plays with some play action in Florida, you know, for all the struggles, still being able to run for 194 yards, this defense can be had in the running game.
0: Yeah, well, and that's with a strength and conditioning program that was, you know, like lifting popsicle sticks or something. But um (laughs) you know we (laughs) but so this is where being in the swamp, I think, is an advantage because you can get off the ball quicker. You're not dealing with the crowd noise, all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, it's definitely an advantage to have a team at home. Um, certainly, the Mississippi State game last year was on the road. The Florida game was on the road. Um, and, and those are the games where where they really struggled. Now, again, I think we need to go back and say, okay, Arden Key played but was not the same player he was mm-hmm. the year before. And yeah, they're – Mississippi embarrassing- State,
1: that was his first game back.
0: And there are some off the field things that, that sort of caused that, but you would expect Arden key to be a plug and play guy who comes in and plays really, really well. And he just didn't do that last year. And so, you know, there were snaps that were sort of wasted snaps, having Arden key in that space. Um, who have they replaced him with? Well, you know, Jacob Phillips is the middle linebacker this year, most likely 97.2. And then Michael divinity is the strong side linebacker 96.8. From a recruiting rank perspective. They got some, they got some guys out there who are really, really good. Um, but you know, you can probably get them to overrun some gaps because they're younger players. You can probably get them to do some things that are that are wrong, especially because it's on the road. And I think that's where it being at Florida is an advantage. If you're gonna have to take advantage on the ground, you'd much rather have the game at home.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned some of the stats earlier, but Devin White and just mentioned Bears mentioning again double-digit tackles in eight games last year, uh, 15. Against Auburn, 14 against Arkansas, as you mentioned, he had 133 tackles with four and a half sacks, 14 tackles for a loss. So we talk about maybe maybe being able to get them in the run game, but why it's going to have to be keyed on every play.
0: Absolutely, and you figure that uh, we've talked we've talked quite a bit over the over the last couple of months about Mullins Mullins' offense being more straight ahead, or at least being simpler in terms of the run reads. I think that's going to be important here is they're not going to be able to run a bunch of those counters that they ran last year. Now in some, the other thing I should say is that last year, I guess they rushed for 190 something yards, but it was mostly on two drives, right? Yeah. So there was two mm-hmm. drives in the second half that brought them to that. Either, that I think tied the game. Um, and at that point,
1: the well, Michael Ryan had a really good game that game.
0: Very much so. But I think but, he, I think he rushed for like 150 yards or Florida yeah. rushed for like 150 yards over those two drives. Um, so again, I, it wasn't consistent which is sort of the story of the florida gators 2017 <laughs> season but you know i obviously those yards count and it's important they were able to get those points but you know if florida goes out and if they expect to win this game scoring 17 or 20 points i just don't think it's going to happen and you know we we've talked a little bit in in some of our uh in some of our other episodes about um you know tennessee and people expect you know tennessee went 4 and 8 last year Um, And everybody sort of expects them to be down. Well, Florida went four and seven and people are just automatically assuming sort of a bounce back. And, and, you know, they were a legitimate four and seven team last year. And if you look at LSU, they were a legitimate nine and four. So 354 points for 246 points against your expected win total. There would be 8.8 and they went nine and four. So, you know, again, when you start looking at Orgeron, they did exactly what they should do based on their point differential, and, and that's what you want to see for a coach. If he's underperforming his point differential, then you start wondering what's he doing in game that's that's non optimal, and and you're not necessarily seeing that here.
1: Yeah, well, a couple of weeks ago, you know, we looked at the SEC right after SEC media days, and and you picked LSU to win the West.
0: I did. I am I am a Burrow believer. I, I think he's going to be really really good. I think LSU has a ton of talent. And I, I don't, th- this is one where I can tell you right now, I'm going to be picking LSU, assuming that Burrow looks good in the first four, in the first five games coming in. I mean, you know, and obviously things change throughout the year. Maybe he gets hit in the third game and then he's, yeah. then he's not there, you know, and, and we'll see what happens. But I, I am a believer in quarterbacks who show accuracy by finding guys who are open and that's what Burrow has done. And so, you know, it's the most important position on the field. And LSU has an awful lot of talent. And if they can optimize the most important position on the field and let that talent loose, I think they're going to be a very, very good team.
1: So, Will, very high on the LSU Burrows
0: oh man it kills me because i hate them but (laughs) like best best day of my summer this year was when burrow announced he was transferring worst day was the next day when mullen (laughs) announced he wasn't going to go after him so you know i (laughs) it, it uh you know that he was one that i really thought was worth going after as a transfer and hey you know mullen decided very quickly that he didn't want a graduate transfer i know florida fans are a little bit tired of the graduate transfer route with, with Del Rio who wasn't a graduate transfer, certainly a transfer and then Appleby and then Zaire. But this is a different level of transfer. This is a guy who his high school performance indicates that he can be a very, very good to elite college player. When you look at Zaire's high school stats, that was not the case. When you looked at um, – and when you looked at the stats at Notre Dame, that wasn't the case. When you looked at Appleby's stats at Purdue, you went, yeah, he's a decent backup. And even when you looked at Del Rio's high school stats, he had a very high completion percentage, but not very much on the yards per attempt. Burrow was averaging like 14 yards per attempt on the, uh, you know, in high school. And so he was going downfield and still completing a high percentage of his passes. And, and I think that's going to show up this year.
1: All right. So will really, really high on, on LSU and it you know, should be a good game. And like Will said earlier, you know, go back and look at it. You know, this game just means so much to Florida season. Usually if Florida wins this game. It, it leads to, to something bigger. Florida loses this game. Eh, you know, it's kind of a so-so season. So kind of a kind of that that, that turn turning table that, that turning point game of the season.
0: Yeah, man, it's always fun. It's gonna be a grand old time. I hope you have a good time there with your pops. And uh, you know, I'll be I'll be twittering from home, I guess, for that one because my dad's <laughs> out of town. So we, we usually go to this one, but but he's out of town, so we'll uh we'll have to make a game later in the year.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So that's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at SEC, And some of his opponent preview stuff also at ReadAndReaction.com, uh, where he dives even more into, into the, the schedule the Gators face in 2018 and the opponents there. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.